Watch, watch Disney podcast. We watch films and have a blast. Rank them all from first to last. It's, it's a podcast. Uh, the only thing I know that has 15 in it is the Taylor Swift song. When you're 15, somebody tells you they love you, you're gonna believe them. It's about like uh, her friend giving away her virginity to some guy who didn't care about her afterwards. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to Dudes Watch Disney episode 15. <laughs> I'm Jake. Oh, man. I'm Dustin. <laughs> I, I remember that song. I couldn't have told you the fucking words, though. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, this is episode 15. It's Robin Hood, released in 1973, the finale of the Phil Harris trilogy. Um, and loved this movie as a kid. How about you? I did, too. And I feel like that's going to definitely taint our results on this movie. Where, I think so. Uh, we love it. It has flaws. It mm-hmm. has a lot of flaws <laughs> in like visuals and... yeah cheapness quality pretty nostalgic but i will say like less so than the other stuff that came out around it you know aristocats i watched more than this winnie the pooh i watched more than this i mean it's good and i like it but it was also the only robin hood story i knew as a kid i never saw like the fucking kevin costner one and i'd like i didn't see men in tights till i was probably junior high maybe high school Mm -hmm. so like this was I didn't have other Robin Hoods to compare it to. So this is like, I just took it as, you know, what it was. So they made the decision to make all the characters in the movie animals. Very Disney decision. Uh, yes. Which is something that's a little bit problematic in the age of the internet where, like, mm. just furries everywhere. But, right. you know, if you ignore all that, <laughs> you've got animals. Now, uh, I read... Where did I write this? <laughs> all right, so part of the reason... Uh, you basically have, and we'll see this as we go further into the movie, you've got basically two different groups of voice actors here. You have ones clearly trying or actually being English and doing right. English accents, and then you've got these country-ass people. <laughs> yeah. And, We're trying to blend the two, And originally, early on in the process, the setting was going to be the Old West. Mm-hmm. And that was plan A. And I think they kept a lot of those old old right. West they players. They didn't re recast the other people. Right. So then you've just got this weird mishmash going on there. Right. I don't think it works, but like it, I don't know. We're and, doing kind of a folk story, like a folksy thing, and I think they went, well, oh, folksy, like right. Let's go deep in the South, country folk, <laughs> and then that they're like okay but that doesn't really work with the english thing but we'll just do both at once right and see if anyone notices which and then we've also got celebrity voices again we've got phil harris in his final one we've got uh whoever uh andy divine is i only know him from the jimmy buffett song <laughs> yeah, that's what i was gonna say yeah but he's friar tuck and then we've got uh then we got roger miller oh yeah so yeah, yeah. We've got uh, a few different of those going on. They're not really doing any different voices. They're just all being themselves. So, Yeah, and it's not something, I, I mean, from the first time I watched this movie, you know, I was little, and so obviously that wasn't something I questioned, like why do half of them sound country and why do half mm-hmm. of them not? And to be fair, we did this in Aristocats too, where like yes. some people sound pretty posh. Nobody sounds French, but some <laughs> no. people sound pretty posh. And, <laughs> and then, then we've got, got these hillbillies. <laughs> Napoleon and, La- and Lafayette. So we've... It's not a totally foreign idea. So the movie uh, opens with a book opening again, like we've done on various 
Well, I was going to get a little bit into oh, the well. production of the oh, film. Okay, well, proceed. I don't always have notes on that, but uh, apparently this is another one that was like sort of goes way back to the, like the fucking start of Walt Disney and stuff. Because, uh, yeah, I, I'm just going to blatantly rip from Wikipedia here. Uh, around the time of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, uh, Walt Disney became interested in adapting a t- the 12th century legend of Reynard the Fox. Have you ever heard of that? No. Me neither. I didn't click on it either, so whatever that is, that's what he wanted to do. But that that makes... I do remember reading something similar, too, because in that, all the characters are animals, and that makes sense. Yeah. Somehow that turned into, we'll just do Robin Hood, but they're still animals. Right. Don't worry. The, prog- the, the project languished due to Walt's concern that Reynard was an unsuitable choice for a hero. Uh... So in like 1938, he was like, I want to do this, but is it smart to make it? You know, will this work for kids? All that kind of stuff. But then later, so this is around Snow White. Later, they did a Treasure Island film and he considered doing like animated sections in that. And one of them being something Reynard related that also got nixed. Um, Later, whenever they, before Sword in the Stone happened, when they tried to make that Chanticleer film or whatever, apparently that Reynard was going to come back around for that. That didn't happen. And so... Whenever uh, Aristocats was in production, Ken Anderson began exploring possibilities for the next film, and studios were like, why don't you do like a classic thing? And then that's when uh, Anderson suggested Robin Hood, and everyone liked that, and then they're like, well... So first of all, we ended up back on Fox on that because of the Reynard thing. Uh, So we blended the ideas of Robin Hood by incorporating that Fox character that could be sort of slick like a fox and use his skills to protect the community. But then we get to the really weird, uncomfortable part because additionally, Anderson wanted to set the film in the Deep South, desiring to, uh, quote, recapture the spirit of Song of the South. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that was the reaction that studio executives had. And so they were like, no, 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 don't do that. And then we just sort of said, keep it in Nottingham Forest, keep it as tropey as possible. Like you're doing a fox, okay, make the bad guy a wolf. And apparently there was a fight about that. See, uh, Anderson wanted it to be like a goat or something, thought Wolf was too hokey. But no, they're like, no, we want the hoke. Give us the hokey. <laughs> and so we kind of get that in this film because it feels like a lot of the time, like it feels a little self-aware. Like we're kind of going through like a stage play version of this. Just, just you know, even we get the narrator at the beginning says like, you know, everyone's got the story of Robin Hood. Well, we here in the animal kingdom have our own take. And it feels kind of like a performance after that. But they don't go full satire like Men in Tights or something would. So it's kind of resting in the middle there. And I think that's exactly what studio audiences knew would work best. As opposed to like starting from the beginning and being serious about Robin Hood stuff. And the performance uh, works well for for the time period too. Because like the Robin Hood legend and several other medieval legends all would have been told uh, in song probably. But by... Right. You know, poets and minstrels and, mm-hmm. and performing, you know, because that's oral history. That's how right. these stories, you know, survived and until we go, they were written down. Yeah, and we go with the minstrel theme here because right at the beginning, you right. know, we have a narrator for Not this. Not minstrel like Deep South minstrel show, but, <laughs> no, 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 you know, no. right. But, you know, medieval like wandering minstrel. minstrel. Yes, yes. And he even describes it as, you know, I'm what they call a minstrel. And that's kind of like a folk singer. So here we go. Uh, minstrel is like the worst... Uh, of the 60s TV Batman villains, like... Does he play, like, a lute? I think I remember that. He shit. does, and, yeah. I mean, he's probably better than Shame. Shame is pretty weak, too, where he's the Old West one, you know, like, because Shane had just come out, so he's Shame. Mm, mm, yeah. That's pretty bad. That's pretty, oof. Louis who's, the Lilac is kind of cool, but... Who's the egg guy? Egghead. Egghead. With I Vincent Price, yeah. Yeah, okay. 
He's better than that. And he has all the puns. Yeah. yeah. Mr. Freeze is Shere Khan. We figured that yes. out. Yes. Well, one of the Mr. Freezes. I think they went oh. through at least two, maybe yeah. three freezes. One, a different one each season, I think. So the film opens with the book opening, which we've done. We should have kept track on exactly which ones have done it, yeah. but it, it is... Mostly been the good ones, I think. Yeah, by and large. And I think this one is good, too. But like we said, we are pretty biased uh, <laughs> from the start on this one. True. Uh, and it opens up with a song that would go, well, it wasn't called Going Viral at the time, but would become popular yeah. again. Uh, In when the early it, internet. Yeah, with something called the Hamster Dance. Mm. Uh, but you kids out there yeah. won't remember this it's one. It's called Whistle Stop here, and it starts uh, with Roger Miller, uh, who, if you don't know Roger, he was, uh, I'm calling him by his first name, like Roger. I know him very well, yeah. but uh, if you don't know Mr. Miller, he was a... Uh, a singer, songwriter, a country uh, musician, although he had mm. some crossover hits as well. And in most of his songs, or at least a large number of his songs, he did a lot of scatting. And uh, that's what we get in this opening song is, mm-hmm. is some whistling. And and so we, we are using Roger's talents right away. Of like, yeah. uh, And we get some, like, in, in the other songs that he wrote, we get, if we don't get the pure ridiculousness that we get out of some of his other songs uh, that were hits we get you know some interesting lines here and there and mm-hmm. and that the soundtrack to me is one of the strong suits of this movie especially so. the songs done by him they weren't all done by him yeah. but but yeah that that's what i think about when i think of this film is you know either immediately just some of the silly uh kind of folk song deals or just the whole oodle lally oodle, which i figured Fits that's a recurring phrase in this film, Udo Lally. I don't know if that was something Roger Miller started with, or if it's I don't know. they just wanted Chicken that from the, the beginning. That one, yeah. But it's another one where we have we re- reuse clips from the movie in the opening credits to sort yeah. of introduce that's these characters. Yeah, uh, and we've talked about in previous episodes how we don't like that. We liked. Yeah. It's literally uh, just a preview of the Pencil movie. drawing versions of it in 101 Dalmatians. We were on yeah. board with that, but some of these other ones have been really lazy and cheap. Yeah. And really everything about this movie is cheap. And and I don't understand. It's hard to imagine that now. Like there there could have ever been a time when Disney was low on money. Yeah. (laughs) Like where now they they own everything. Star Wars and Marvel and, you know, all of these things that Mm -hmm. that just cash cows. And so it's hard to imagine how they could have been broke in the 70s. Like what went wrong? But this really, a lot of this film feels like we have a deadline. So (laughs) just whatever you got. And then, you know, there's all kinds of reused animation. One of the things we want to do in this episode and uh, along the way, if you remember our Jungle Book episode, we, in addition to talking about the movie, we had a uh, a book that we, uh, Choose Your Adventure Mm -hmm. story that we worked with. uh, Check that episode out if you haven't. I think it's one of my favorites. Yeah, it's a good one. That's a good one. Anyway, so... In, we had that little little side trip on that episode. In this episode, uh, we're going to be exploring some of, of Roger Miller's songs, since mm. I, I like him a lot. Jake claimed to like him a lot in a previous episode, yeah. and it sort of made me go, but does Jake really know that many Roger Miller songs? I know a songs? good few of them. And so, I mean, if you just hit me with some titles, right, I'd so, probably catch uh, them. So if you go through, and, and the audience may, you should look up these songs that... Uh, you don't know. What we're going to right. do, though, when we get to a song that Jake doesn't know that I feel Jake should know, we're going to uh, 
take a break, listen to the song, and then you'll get right. Jake's thoughts on well, the song. What if we started like the top so the audience can kind of play along? So like, what's is most known? You think? Uh, I mean, most known probably King of the Road, uh, which is road. which actually it won a Grammy. Uh, yeah, song of the year that year or record of the year. I don't remember which one, but it beat out the Beatles uh, that year to do that. Damn. So big, big hit song. Yeah, uh, not not one of his sillier songs. And that's sort of like people who don't know a lot about Roger Miller assume that he's the guy that does the silly songs. Yeah, but he has some some more serious songs as well. Uh, but anyway, that's King of the Road's probably top of the line. Uh, Dang Me yeah. uh, is a good one. Dang Me is one I probably know the best, I think. Mm, I think I know, I could probably do most of the words of Dang Me. Has some scatting in it <laughs> Karaoke well. night, I could pick Dang Me and be chorus fine. chorus being Dang Me, Dang Me, they ought to take a rope and hang me. Hiding, hang me from the highest tree. Woman, Woman won't you weep for me? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's the one Pop played the most, which Perhaps. is why I, uh, Pop is the reason I know most of these songs. Chug a Lug is a, another Chug, yeah. sort of a novelty song, too, mm-hmm. but about you know drinking beer for the first time and and then his various expenses uh, experiences with beep, trying beep, alcohol. Beep, for the beep, first. Beep. And does it keeps it keeps like changing key, doesn't it? Uh, maybe I, I I felt like it kept getting higher, but I can't remember. I think so. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. I feel like uh, can't roller skate in a buffalo. Oh yeah, that's a good one too. It's pretty well known. And that was in uh, like one of the Jackass movies, I think. It's literally like Johnny Knoxville dancing in roller skates, and then like a buffalo hits him. And nice. yeah. that Hilarious. song, though, like on the surface level, is another novelty song and just saying some ridiculous things. But then you get to like the chorus of the song sort of ties it all together and like yeah. yeah you can't do these things but you can be happy if you've got mine to right and that's an important lesson like uh I there are things down in life buckle that, down and do it do it do right. it there are things in life you can't do but you can be yeah. happy if you try to and that which that probably helps the like universal appeal of the song i think so. but silly songs have universal appeal on their own if they don't have that case in point we heard fucking disco duck on the radio <laughs> earlier today uh my uncle used to love me but she died <laughs> is an interesting thing notice Chicken. let me say that one slowly yeah. my uncle used to love me but she died mm, I've, i don't know that i've ever understood what was going on next line that. in that song is chicken ain't chicken till it's licking good fried mm. keep on the sunny side my uncle used to love me but she died yep that's that's a weird uh are you familiar with the song Do Whack a Do? Yeah, I remember you playing Do Whack a Do Whack a Yeah, I don't yeah, remember I anything else about it. That's what we're going to listen to first. It sure. probably should be what we finish with, as it's the most Roger Miller of Roger Miller songs. Right. Well, I hear tell you're doing well, good things have come to you. I wish I had your happiness. You had to do, I could 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 do. They tell me you're running free, your days are never blue. Well, I wish I had your good luck charm, and you had to do, I could 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 do. I see you going down the street in your big Cadillac. You got girls in the front and got girls in the back. Yeah, and way in the back, you got money in the sack. Both hands on the wheel and your shoulders right back. I hear tell you're doing well. Good things have come to you. I wish I had your happiness. You had to do, I could 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 do. So 
go. So that's Do Whack a Do by Roger Miller. Pretty good stuff. I feel like that uh, girls in the front, girls in the back is definitely a Ric Flair promo at some point. Just and you make money in a sack. Woo! <laughs> but that's pretty great. Yeah, and it's, I think- it's reminiscent of the thing. I think where it's like we didn't actually write. You know what? Any what the thing I want is. We're just gonna put nonsense words right. here. Do whack a do whack a do. So we open with the the whistling and the scatting, which mm-hmm. is one thing Roger Miller can do, of course. Uh, but then his he go right. We go he go he go right into another song. <laughs> yeah, he do. <laughs> so we go right into another song from that with yeah. uh, Oodlali. And I like Oodlali. to refer to it as the scooping up the field my song. <laughs> Oodlali does a good Oodlali does a good job of introducing Robin yeah. and John. I, I, I just wrote John. There are two Johns in the movie, yeah. so Vince McMahon would hate this movie <laughs> uh, since no one can have the same name. Right. But anyway, uh, little John, little John, uh, little John from the window. Yeah. <laughs> to the wall. Okay. Till the sweat drips down my balls. Anyway, so Robin Hood and Little John. All these bitches crawl. Yes. Got it. Oodlali. It explains who they are and why they do what they do and sort of justifies why uh, it's okay to like them even though they're stealing. Like, mm-hmm. Which is something you need to explain to children if yeah. you know, you're making For a kid's, kids movie film. about an outlaw. Like, It's okay that he steals because he's taking it from bad guys and he's going to give it to the poor. And we show that uh, at various points early on in the movie to really right. establish that even though he it breaks is, the rules, yeah. he's a good guy. It's a little challenging to do like a Shades of Grey character in a very young kid movie without giving the wrong message at any point right it's okay to steal kids well no it's not it's, well, not. it's never okay to steal kids <laughs> no there was a comma <laughs> it's okay to steal comma kids <laughs> right but in this instance uh it's important you know definitely important to, dis- to distinguish that and i think we do that and i do think the message is one of the stronger points of this film even if it is i think so well, too. we'll get to that which is not disney's message it's right the, that's what i was going to go into right, but yeah. we'll get to that so after they escape in their title song there right uh, in their introductory well, yeah. song robin hood and little john walking through the forest and laughing then, back and forth at what the other yeah. had to say those are the actual words i can't ever remember that <laughs> robin hood and little john running through the forest scooping up the field mice and bopping them on the head so reminiscing this and that and having such a good time oodle alley oodle alley golly what a day so then the sheriff and his posse show up, and they yeah. escape and... Shoot arrows at him, and then we get to like, oh, ho, ho, what a fun time. And we see Arrow through Robin's hat. Maybe you should take this a little more seriously. Right, which <laughs> Little John starts to tell him, and then they hear some trumpets in the background. And they realize... We need a soundboard. <laughs> they realize it's time uh, to get some more cash, as uh, mm-hmm. they realize it's the royal coach. There is a fun line. I mean, we didn't really go into... You know, Little John is, of course, Phil Harris again. So we, you know, just by hearing that voice, you kind of know what his character is about. He's a big, lovable bear. Pretty much, I think he's the exact same model yeah. for Blue, mm-hmm. uh, just reskinned. But But uh, there's some fun... You know, they talk about... You know, we go right into their dialogue, starts immediately recapping shit for us, where it's just like, you know, I've been thinking, are we good guys or bad guys? So we get right into that. Right. So we can explain to the kids right away, like, you're about to see us steal. Right. Stealing from the rich to give to the poor. And then, you know, Robin says, we don't steal. We just sort of borrow a little bit. Borrow? Boy, are we in debt. (laughs) That's endearing. Mm -hmm. But it's a real introduce ourselves to the audience conversation. And then we get the same thing from Prince John and Hiss, who are about to yeah, meet. This movie is constantly giving us backstory with right. uh, every line of dialogue. Yes. Rob the poor to feed the rich. That's not a very good Prince John, but that's that's no, what that I got. Was not good. 
the same actor plays Prince John as uh, also plays uh, King Richard at the end of the movie. Hmm. So actually British and doing his own <laughs> accent, I assume, for one of those two voices. Right. Uh, we get Sir Hiss, uh, who is pretty much Ka. Less threatening than Ka, who yeah. was himself pretty silly at times. Yeah. But... The, 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 he's a snake, but he's not really a threat. And he, he's kind of the Iago kind of to this to prince john here he gets beaten up by prince john so like you kind of go john's a bad guy here so he these beats two, up his at least in the hierarchy of, of society are supposed to be the you know the top yeah mm-hmm. it's obviously he's yeah. a prince uh, and is running the country since uh the king is fighting the crusades which they explain along the way right uh yeah we definitely paint richard as a, as a baby face here for you know the crusades <laughs> We'll just set that aside. Yeah. But even though they're sort of nominally the top bad guys, they're goofy as can be. They're not the really whole the time. more immediate threat to Robin, which is the sheriff, who right. is in his own way pretty goofy, but at least can still look uh, challenging uh, because of his size. Yeah, uh, a little intimidating. We get to see him actually being cruel. We uh, never see him as like a wolf, though. <laughs> like, no. he's not threatening in that way. We no. don't go like Radigan with him or anything. But we get to like, see him being cruel. Yes, he uh, is that. And... You know, and, and he can shoot like he's a good yeah. archer, and so like he's at least threatening to Robin in some way, where these two are not at mm-hmm. least physically. Right, uh, and they're fighting with each other too because they disagree. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, Robin, Robin, and Little John go right into the uh, uh, let's dress in drag to you know confuse them, and that's how we're going to rob them. Which Hiss immediately sees through and is like, "Fortune tellers, no, we don't need to stop." And there, uh, the dialogue between. Prince John and, and Hiss uh, really does everything that we would normally do in an opening narration or like we did with opening uh, text at the beginning of, of Snow White. Mm-hmm. But we just have totally embedded it into the film this way. Yeah. And I do... Not subtly. We, well, no, not <laughs> You subtly. said embedded. I would have said shoehorned. <laughs> well, fair enough. I was, more, I was more kind to them than you're going to be. But uh, we said at the beginning that one of the things we wanted to track as we go through all the films in the canon is the way things change. And so we get uh, in Snow White an opening... Set the scene. Right, but we get it in the, all text. Mm, Star Wars text, basically. Right, it doesn't even... It doesn't scroll. But yeah, we yeah. get text at the beginning to explain everything. And what... That works for a society that's pretty literate mm-hmm. and for uh, people coming out of silent movies, which wouldn't have been that long before, right. and used to reading things at the movie theater. And as we get along to, say, Cinderella, we replace that text with a narrator at the very beginning to explain all of the stuff that would have been in the text from Snow White. Yeah, I think even before that, I think Pinocchio had a narrator, too. <laughs> like, next film. Yeah, maybe. Um, and then we get to this movie where we've done away with the narrator. Well, we have a narrator, but he yeah. doesn't... But he's a character, scene. too. Yeah. And so instead, we embed all of that background into the characters themselves, or shoehorn, if you'd rather. But we <laughs> right. find a way to get that done without having to do an opening. Right. Which is clever. Mm-hmm. If not, if it could have... And there's movies that do that more clumsily, so sure. <laughs> even than this. So they come up with a plan, which of course involves cross-dressing. Right. Also, his crossing his arms is pretty funny. Yeah, that is nice. <laughs> crossing his arms. Yeah, Robin Hood is a little bit Bugs Bunny-ish. Yes. Uh, not as funny or charming as no, Bugs Bunny. but in his plots. Yeah, and his schemes. Yeah. So they dress in drag. Uh, Lil John is like hashtag thick, so he's got... The real, he's very voluptuous, and we get our first boob thing jokes. We've had a lot of butt things before. This is our first boob thing, because, like, 
you know, they're getting ready. Prince John realizes it's, it's the, or no, Robin Hood realizes it's the royal carriage. So, mm-hmm. like, there's and a the lot prince, of money and in there. And so little John doesn't want to uh, play There's anymore. a law against Robin royalty. And then uh, Robin Hood's like, no, wait, stop. And puts his hands up, hands right on both boobs. Oh, That's yeah. our first boob joke. That is true. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, Prince John is convinced that they cannot be a threat to him because female bandits that's yeah. absurd right just write that off immediately and that's when sir hiss gets put in the in the basket, basket. yeah mm-hmm. and so, hissing in his ear yeah stop hissing in my ear all of this dialogue is burned into my brain <laughs> um so yeah so uh robin hood gets invited into the royal carriage they close up the the drapes or whatever and then you know, oh, I call upon the spirits, and then that's when Little John sticks like a fish bowl. Where I don't know where he got one of those, right. but and this is not full their... of fireflies to be the mystical crystal and ball. This is not their first time uh, pulling this scheme. Like it might be their first time doing it to royalty, right? But you can tell this isn't. Let's sit down and plan out what we're going to do, and you do this, and maybe this will work, and we'll see if we can do this. This is they're like running a number six on them. Like yeah, this is pretty much you know what to do here. I'll do this. You put the thing in, and here we go. Like. This is something that they have pulled on many a rich person before, I'm, we can assume, and will probably pull on again for other people. So uh, Robin flatters the prince, gets him to close his eyes uh, so that he can read his fortune or whatever. And right. Then, and then pick his pocket. Mm-hmm. Hiss is noticing this even from the basket and is like slapping at his hand when he tries to grab the, the gold coins and everything. We already, I, we skipped over this, but when they kiss the rings on him to steal the jewels mm-hmm. from the rings, that's pretty clever. And then while this is going on, we cut to uh, little John, you know, he sees like the royal treasure chest is there with a bunch of locks on it. And then he stands under it with a little like knife to cut it open, which somehow no one watches this happen, even though he's out in the open and in theory standing in the middle of four guards that are holding this thing. True. But you know. They get uh, they get the hots for him. I'm pretty sure we reused the like Edgar sneaking music from Aristocats while this I is going on too. While yeah. we're taking the hubcaps and mm-hmm. and so they get they rob enough, you yeah. know. And the Rhino guards pretty pretty into little John, yeah. so they're not paying attention to all the theft or the uh, gold hidden in the cleavage. But then eventually, you know, their cover's blown. They got to run out of there. But the cart with no hubcaps on it loses a wheel and little john flies out the or no prince john flies right. out the back lands in the mud gets trampled by rhinos which doesn't sell that but it happens right sucks his thumb i've got a dirty thumb right then we flash to the town uh, nottingham i guess mm-hmm. we see wanted posters put up uh, right as sort of retribution yeah form also we have noticed every scene we have we sort of fade out and then fade back in on the next scene which really i felt this whole film kind of felt like a stage play version mm-hmm. of robin hood and that's really just like okay end scene new scene put the lights up set change all that like we i think we really went with that vibe for it which kind of works because it's kind of a like an air of self-awareness of like we know all these characters here's our version of the right. story and we've you know been introduced that way at the beginning yeah uh, with the with the narrator from right the dale um and then we get to meet the Sheriff of Nottingham, kind of our secondary villain. A guy, uh, I checked out his IMDb because his voice appears in a lot of these Disney films. Mm-hmm. The unfortunately named <laughs> Pat Buttram. <laughs> I'm assuming it's pronoun- pronounced Buttram, but <laughs> B-U-T-T-R-A-M. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. But he was Napoleon in Aristocats. He's uh, he, 
He talks like he's out of the TV show Bonanza. I don't know. That <laughs> I he wouldn't is, be surprised. Yeah. Uh, later, when we get to Fox and the Hound. He's chief in that. Yeah. He's in a goofy movie. He's been in Rugrats. He's in Roger Rabbit. Like this, this old timey sheriffy voice. You know, <laughs> you've definitely heard it. And so we see the people suffering. Uh, they're overtaxed, mm-hmm. and uh, we get heat on the yeah. bad guy right away. <laughs> he's he... got two scenes here that consist of him robbing a priest and then robbing a child and a blind man. <laughs> yeah, on his birthday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The child's birthday, not the blind man's birthday. But literally just like, okay, yep, you're the bad guy. And he has such like a snickering kind of like, oh, (laughs) well, we need our taxes kind of air about him. Right, but... uh, No remorse. A subtle thing here, and there's not much subtlety in this movie, but a subtle thing going on here is... You see the wanted posters, and you see how poor these townspeople are, and we later see them interacting with Robin Hood, but not one of them ever considers turning Robin in. No, that's uh, true. Even though they could use there that There is a money. reward. Yeah. There's, but a, they, I guess, a brotherhood in, in poor. Well, and they appreciate what he's doing, yeah. and they don't they don't want to turn on him. And so that speaks to the, the character of the, the townspeople as well, which is right. subtly done. Yeah, the reward on Robin Hood is never really a plot point. It's just like you see the wanted posters. Which plays along with him. Yes, he's an outlaw, and yes, he's technically breaking the law, but the people are all benefiting from what he's yeah. doing, and, and that, if we wanted to show the, to the no children, one, yeah. that no one not gets bad desperate guys. enough to yeah. take that path, which it feels like we could go somewhere with that, but we just don't. So I guess, you know, good guys are good, bad guys are bad. And even the religious much. figures in the story are on Robin's side as well, even mm-hmm. though he's breaking the law. Right. Because of why he's doing it. Right. So he gives, uh, after the sheriff leaves and he robs the child and Robin, mm-hmm. uh, he, Robin, pronouns pal, uh, Robin gives his hat to uh, the child right. as, a, as a present. Yeah. He reveals yeah. himself first and then mm-hmm. uh, gives his hat and the mother His birthday him. present. And he gives him a bow and arrow too as a birthday present, which child safety wise i don't know that's the best gift sure but he does immediately go shoot it straight up in the air the mother is very appreciative and mm-hmm. you know thanks him for the work that he's doing and he explains why he does the things uh, that he that he does and that's all very sweet and nice and you're right the kid shoots the arrow up in the air and it goes over the castle walls. right do we want to talk about these bunny characters while we're here at all or uh, are they important sure <laughs> there's a mom and there's a daughter who's like oh he's so handsome and then there's a boy who's like i don't like girly stuff <laughs> like, right again, the turtle is my favorite though right um, i don't think shockingly yet, but <laughs> well we're about to we were shooting the arrow in the air then yeah do you know his name i don't phil <laughs> i don't know okay <laughs> that seems like a turtle name i want to say it's like toby that might be it if i tattletale i'll die till i'm dead <laughs> See, he is me. <laughs> yeah. We would have had to make you make that promise. So they lose the arrow of the castle walls. We look over the castle walls and we see Maid Marian and Lady Cluck playing mm-hmm. badminton. Yeah, they are, first of all, the voices of the geese women mm-hmm. in Aristocats, both it's of true. them. Uh, second of all, badminton. You ever play much of that? <laughs> Any good at it? I am not. No, I'm not good at it. Yes, right. it's related in PE. Mm-hmm. Um don't know that I've played it any since then, but better at badminton than I am at tennis. Uh, I have a hard time 
uh, I like tennis. With tennis not hitting the ball to yeah. Mars. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, where I guess with badminton, you can hit it as hard as you want. It's only going to go really so go far. Anywhere. Like in tennis, I guess you barely touch it, and that's all you want to do. I, st- I, I haven't know. figured it out. I hit it and go sailing over the fence. Exactly. Usually, yeah. Right. So that's my that's my problem. Uh, the few times that I've tried to play tennis. Yeah. I spend more time like going to get the ball off another court than actually hitting it back and forth. Yeah. Anytime me and Kelsey go, I'm like, okay, well, let's stay up here close to the net and just kind of hit it back and forth. And then she's like, no, who's what's the score? Who's winning? Do I need to serve? Do you serve? And it's like, fuck the rules. Let's right. just try to hit Which the is, ball. Which is the opposite thing where I have tried to win despite mm. not being able to hit it anywhere. And Lauren's like, what if we just hit it back and forth? And it would be like we're actually you know playing and right. having fun instead of chasing the ball constantly. You know, <laughs> so like, I should play with Lauren is I what you're so. saying. And I just want to, if we're playing a game, I want to win the game, right? <laughs> right. Unless it's like a complicated board game I don't understand. And then I just want to goof off. But like, right. if it's a, at least a, an athletic game, I want to try to win. Right. But anyway, uh, Maid Marian and Lady Cluck playing uh, playing badminton here. Maid Marian and Lady Cluck playing badminton here. <laughs> oh no, she lost the shuttlecock in her dress. <laughs> that happens. It does. Yes. More boob jokes. Uh, they discover the kids. They uh, discover they're being watched by the kids, and they play. Lady Cluck especially plays along as if. Uh, the bunny, whose name I don't know, is uh, tipsy like or something. Really, I don't fucking know. Like he really is Skippy. Robin, I don't know. Like he really is Robin Hood, and right? So they, she pretends to be Prince John, and they have like a sword, sword fight. fight. Yeah. Which is Lady Cluck is a very fun character. Mm-hmm. Maid Marian, not so much. Doesn't really do much. Right. Because uh, then she plays along too, but then she wants to do the like kissing stuff. And, yeah. <laughs> which is weird. Anytime, like I get we're playing along, but anytime that comes up in a like kid story where it's like uh, the adult woman and like the little kid hero, like I don't know, it gets weird. Blank check is the weirdest. They go on a date. <laughs> Do you I remember? Don't, I don't remember that. That's a plot point. It's like a grown ass woman who he has the hots for, and she's like, "Well, I'll go on a date with you." I don't know. Anyway, uh, but yeah, so Lady Cluck pretty badass has her own like personality and all that kind of stuff she's really tough she fights the men later yeah she's our one female character that fucking does anything (laughs) and she's like the comedy relief comic relief right where marion is a damsel in distress for the most part Mm. she's in like three scenes in the the whole movie she's going to be just worrying if robin will even remember her and like and our other female characters are uh rabbit mom (laughs) and a rabbit daughter yeah and and the one of the church mice Yep. And that's it, really. Yeah. Other than it's just all all the boys hanging out and doing Robin Hood. Which, as someone who divided the Disney movies into boy movies and girl movies, maybe you're okay with that. I like this film. But we do have, uh, we've got sort of the action y parts of it, but we still have sort of a, uh, you know, there's a romantic storyline, too, you know, where. In parts of the film, there's a romantic storyline. I meant in the Robin Hood legend. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Where Robin and, and Marion, and even though he's an outlaw and she's a royal, you know, mm. they're in love. And yeah, we kind of go into their backstory in this next scene, and I never understood this as a kid. We get parallel scenes here of yeah. uh, Maid Marion talking to Lady Cluck, and then we see Robin and Little John having basically the same conversation of, like, does she even remember me? And you know, Yeah. I but guess like, they were friends as children. Yeah, she went to London, she says. We never explain why she left or why she's back college, or maybe. who know. she belongs to. Women like, go to college. I don't know what that She's in here. the royal family, right? Well, but still. Is she related to John? I don't know. Exactly. John's not trying to marry her himself or yeah. anything, so I don't know. Mm. But anyway. Why didn't Robin follow her to London? Well, maybe he couldn't. He's poor, Mike. True. 
I wrote all these questions, and I also wrote, Marion's real toothy. <laughs> I don't know if that's a thing, like, the furry people are into, but, like, it's weird right, to I mean, me. she's not a squirrel. Like, why would why mm-hmm. would she be so toothy? I don't know. So, anyway, they they love each other, but they've been separated, and they don't know if the other still cares, yeah. you know. And so when we get to Robin Hood's part of that, Friar Tuck arrives to advance the plot. Right. Well, he's he's daydreaming while he's cooking, which there's also some fun here because, like, Little John is trying to talk to him, and he's like, no, you're not paying attention. You're thinking about someone with long eyelashes. Mm-hmm. And then also... He burns the soup. Right, and, and he's he's talking about, like, uh, <laughs> Robin Hood's like, oh, well, why would she want... What do I have to offer her? And Little John's like, well, for one thing, you can't cook. <laughs> so that's pretty funny. Also, he's cooking the stew, and he pulls out a carrot, and is like, ew, carrots, which I would have related to as a kid. All I don't right. want carrots. I'll, I don't know how the carrot didn't get burnt when everything else did, True. but... Seems sure. like it'd be mush at that point. So Friar Tuck arrives and tells them... <laughs> he uh, arrives with the plot device. Yeah, basically. Tells Archery them tournament. About a tournament coming up, and the prize is Maid Marian's virginity or something. Whatever it is. A kiss. Oh, okay. Yeah, fine. A kiss from Maid Marian. Young audience. Yeah, a kiss. Which... Everybody kiss the winner for for Prince John. Like we're gonna have a tournament. You're gonna kiss the winner. Like mm-hmm. what what kind of stipulation is this? Like, it's true. Now he uh, Prince John is of course doing this as bait for Robin Hood. He knows Which that he they're helpfully, in love. Him and his helpfully explained to the audience as soon as we get to that scene. Exactly. Yes. We don't know this right away that that's what's going on, but I think Little John suspects it. Um, at yeah. least. And then because so, that's why Robin goes in disguise, knowing yeah, that they're I trying think to they draw both him suspect out. It. Yeah. Because they didn't show up in disguise right off the bat. And, and even Rama says, like, it'll be my finest performance. Right, so Hiss gives away their totally secret plan in, in not quite a Kronk fashion, but close to it. Right. Where it's just like, oh, they'll, this is an ingenious plan you've discovered. We can, you know, hoodwink uh, Robin Hood to participating and we'll find him right away and kidnap him. And just, just that's most of the lines in this film. Robin goes up to Marion pretty much right away and uh, sort of winks at her and reveals himself that way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, basically every line of dialogue in this movie is framed in a way to either explain backstory or give motivations or just generally recap shit for the audience. You can't just have your characters announce how they feel. That makes me feel angry. Yeah, we get to see everyone's disguise here. Uh, Robin Hood shows up dressed like a stork and you're right, he, he meets up with made marion and uh sort of locks eyes with her and gives a little wink and uh you know marion's like oh well i'll be rooting for you or whatever they know what's going on and Mm -hmm. then but the better disguise is little john showing up as the duke of chutney sir reginald yeah that is great who does a mixture of like pompous dialogue and like jive talking to (laughs) sort of win over uh uh prince john who he refers to as pj which Prince, prince john is already all about He's like, oh, PJ, I like that. But Hiss gets all in his... PJ, put that on my luggage. (laughs) Hiss gets all in his feelings about being replaced, and, uh, you know, he slinks away. Ready for the next Roger Miller, or do you want to find a different place to stick it in? We can stick it in here. We can stick it in wherever you want. (laughs) Well, this one seems appropriate. Uh, We are about to meet Roger Miller in, in the canon of the universe so this song is a song called england swings Mm -hmm. uh, which referenced by bobby heenan at uh, it does uh i don't remember which i want to say maybe at SummerSlam in london uh perhaps at wrestlemania 8 i don't know i've seen eight more i haven't seen i don't remember at one point he references it it's not important anyway roger miller singing about england 
England swings like a pendulum doof. <laughs> England swings like a pendulum do. Bobby's on bicycles two by two. Westminster Abbey, the Tower of Big Ben, the rosy red cheeks of the little children. Now if you huff and puff and you finally save enough money up to take your family on a trip across the sea, take a tip before you take your trip. Let me tell you where to go. Go to England, oh, England swings like a pendulum. I feel like we had some Jim Johnston second verse kick in there. <laughs> Stop rhyming. This verse works better. Mama's old pajamas and your papa's mustache Falling off the windowsill, frolic in the grass Trying to mock the way they talk, fun but all in vain Gaping at the dapper men with derby hats and canes In England swings like a pendulum do Bobby's on bicycles two by two Westminster Abbey, the Tower of Big Ben The rosy red cheeks of the little children England swings like a pendulum do Bobby's on bicycles two by two Westminster Abbey, the Tower of Big Ben The rosy red cheeks of the little children It's pretty lazy where it's just like, let's just name English things. <laughs> yeah, but that is unfortunate. Catchy tune all the same. It is catchy. And it has a thing that I always like in, I don't think it happens anymore in songs. Probably not because everything's auto-tuned to hell and back. <laughs> but uh, a thing that I enjoy in a song is when an artist uh, dubs his own harmony, doesn't have his own background singers, yeah. he just uses himself as his background <laughs> singer. I always like that. Yeah. Uh, some artists sound better singing in harmony with themselves than they do with other people. Like the few songs where like Elton John sings... Uh, sings his own background. Multi-track is, yeah. is great. Uh, Roger doing it there. He even does it with the whistle, which I think yeah. is funny. I've never have, heard a harmonized whistle. It might be another whistle. person whistling. I don't know. But I think it's him again. And we just... I always appreciate that. But yeah. Right. Well, Roger Miller, the, the narrator chicken, is here. Uh, he's hanging out with Friar Tuck. I guess they're buds. And, uh, you know, they see his slinking away, and they're both like, I bet yeah, he's, he's up to no something. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they go follow him around. Uh, and then here we get a, a brief appearance of a, you know, a voice actor we've seen a few times, uh, Candy Candido, the guy plays, he plays the alligator in this one. Oh, with yeah, with the, the real deep, Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but For while they're watching the Indian chief we saw yes. in uh, in Peter Pan, mm-hmm. while they're watching his his does a really cool thing where he turns himself into a helicopter like yeah. a slash hot air balloon. Yeah, like, that's a thing up snakes balloon, can do. Sticks his head in it and then like makes his tail like. Yeah, it really sounds like the Foley guy was just a guy in a microphone going for that. It's cool. Yeah, we didn't like pretend to put a helicopter sound or anything though. It's real like no. No. So then the contest begins. They, you does, know, does Robin Hood shit talk the sheriff behind his disguise? I wrote that, but I don't really remember him doing. He that. doesn't. They talk. Oh, he's like, oh, that sheriff ain't never gonna find Robin Hood or something, right? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He's he's uh, he's te- he's you know mocking him. I guess not mocking him like you're dumb and you're not gonna figure it right. out, but like just 
What's going I, on yeah. with that Robin Hood shit? I heard he Tell gave you the slip. <laughs> Kevin Nash. Yeah, yeah and uh, he says, like, uh, uh, yeah, because the sheriff is like, ah, oh, he's scared of me. That's what it is. Hmm. So, yeah. Also, again, hey, audience, this is the character layout. Right. Yes. But, so the, uh, the tournament proceeds. We get down to the final two. Right. The, His. His propellers up and sees, oh hey, that's Robin Hood. Yeah, he looks up and up his. We get a butt thing. <laughs> yeah, he, he sort does. of upskirts him, and that's mm-hmm. how he knows he knows Robin Hood's dick anywhere. So, <laughs> I guess you're right. I don't know what's up with that, but uh, but he does, and he figures it out. But then he gets caught by Friar Tuck and and the chicken, and gets shoved in a barrel of ale. They like don't they like blow in his mouth, and, like inflate <laughs> him in the like air, that. and then straighten him out and shove him down in the barrel. Something yeah. crazy. Snake hijinks. Right, and, and then, so he gets drunk in the ale barrel, and then oh, now we're at the final two. It's uh, you know Robin Hood versus uh, the sheriff in the showdown, and of course the sheriff's going to be cheating. Uh, we introduce Nutsy, his little vulture, mm-hmm. like not friend but <laughs> colleague, I guess that he sort of bullies around. Uh, they're classic cheating heel team here because uh, Nutsy goes and climbs inside the uh, climbs inside the archery target. Which is where you want the real intelligent guy to be. Yes. <laughs> it's like volunteering to be the javelin catcher. <laughs> yes. And uh, so they try to work out some shenanigans to help the sheriff win. Right. He bumps Robin Hood's uh, bow. Right. It really is like, I'm just going to reference Men in Tight shit where it's like, I lost. I'm not supposed to lose. Right. But <laughs> I he, get another shot. He bumps his bow and then Robin immediately fires another arrow to hit that arrow and knock it through and right. win the contest. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, but at this point, uh, you know, we I think we cut back to, like, Will John and Prince John kind of being buddy-buddy over on the, the throne mm. or whatever. But at this point, we see Prince John is seeing through the disguise, and, like, even though the bad guys here, like, uh, you know, they're trying to cheat or whatever, but Prince John totally does see through Robin's disguise, like, all on his own. He's like, nope, yep, that's Robin Hood. <laughs> like, it's not like the but bad guys wants... failed or anything. Like, yeah, his plan he... works. He wants everyone to be able to figure it out. You know, he doesn't just have his men grab him right, right then. He waits until he's supposed to give him the arrow. Right, yeah, do it in yeah. the most dramatic way possible. Of course. Also, they get a golden arrow. <laughs> That's part of the prize. <laughs> That's true. Maybe you couldn't decide which would be a, a better prize to lure him there. So it's like, I've got a golden arrow and a kiss from Maid Marian. <laughs> uh, Whichever one right. you want more. He hangs out with all those merry men. Maybe he wasn't sure he'd be into the kiss. Maybe. And if Marian's unsure if he remembers her, then, you know, maybe it's a reach for little John to remember that too. But yeah. Maybe, yeah, it's that, not the gay joke I was going with. Sure. sure. Um, Why don't they wear pants? No one wears pants. That's Disney, man. Well, no, the, I guess uh, Blue, well, Little John. <laughs> he crams into some tiny he pants. He wears pants when he's uh, the Duke of Chutney. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so he's going to you know, knight him with the sword or whatever, but actually, no, you're not the winner. You're the loser, and cuts off his disguise. And now it's a fight. Right, but it's not a very dangerous fight robin is easily winning and flirting with marion the whole time proposes to her as they're fighting even marion's not like hey get me out of here she's like no she knows he's going to win and they talk about how many kids they're gonna have a dozen at least it almost looks like uh things are going to get pretty hairy but then reginald is behind prince john ordering robin to be freed Mm -hmm. has him at knife point untie my buddy i mean the prisoner uh so they have the fight scene which uh, ends up in a, like a football yeah. sort of deal. We get a fight song we, playing in the well, background. Yeah, we get uh, Lady Cluck and Little John have a tent match with all the... Uh, Lady Cluck and Little John having a tent match. <laughs> they put all the rhinos up in like a 
you know, big circus tent and then it's like a brawl and they each get kicked out of each side. And then it becomes a stampeding circus tent, which is similar to the one-wheeled haystack. Yes. Uh, and then, of course, there's a pie stand <laughs> that gets involved and turns into a big food Zigzag fight. Zigzag back and forth for a while, crash into a, a just a tower, just not attached to anything. Freestanding tower a, with some elephants know, on top. Maybe it's a lookout tower. I don't know what it's supposed to be. They crash through that. It's Yeah. We reuse the elephant trumpet thing from uh, Jungle Book with the trying mm-hmm. to blow that. Whatever. So we, That's similar to the sound effect. Recycled animation is have, is heavily uh, fe- featured. Right. <laughs> featured heavily is the word I'm trying to say. And then we get the great line from uh, Prince John here, which I don't think they would write in this day and age, but it's, seize the fat one. Yeah. And <laughs> we get the fight with Lady Cluck, and it's like a football thing. She's out stiff-arming rhinos and shit. Dun, 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 dun. I think that was actually a real fight song I, I so saw too. somewhere. Uh, there's a weird chicken pants joke. <laughs> like, she gets grabbed from behind and, like, as if she was wearing chicken pants, get pulled down to show, like, uh, underwear. But it's like her feathers are literally getting pulled down. It's weird. It doesn't really work. <laughs> I feel like it's a failed joke. But uh, I don't know. So we get pretty slapsticky here. Mm-hmm. And, but we all escape into the forest. Everyone's, you know, we're all outlaws now, but we have made it out alive. And in the forest, it's time for nighttime date night. And this mm. is, of course, the scene Jake would have fast forwarded well, I, through. I wrote, I often stopped the movie at this oh, point. Oh, stopped it. Okay. <laughs> it's I like just that's wrote really all you need. Nighttime date time, Jake fast forward. Yeah. I often stop the movie because duh, love song. And this is a really lame love really song. Is. I wrote loves goes, love goes on and on, but the lyrics do not because it is like... <laughs> That's true. They just repeat the same line twice mm-hmm. or same lines. Some twice. of the lines are weird too. Like I wrote, you were once a child at play. Now you're all grown up inside of me. What the fuck is going on with these lyrics? Yeah, it's it's bizarre. Mm. And then um, we're walking in front of a waterfall. Then the friends show up to cock block them. Yep. And we have a forest hoedown. But never mind that shit. It's Phil Harris time. And if you turned off the movie before you got to I this song. I think I made it through then, this. Okay. When it, it's the best song in the movie. It is. And and unfortunately, it's not one that Roger Miller wrote. But no. But it's it it still it pretty folksy. Uh, but it really does have that Disney charm. The phony king of England. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The phony king of England. You get puppets. You get all kinds of reused animation here as yeah, well. This is literally scene, Disney's but... greatest hits of any time we've had a dance scene. Maid Marian is Snow White dancing with the dwarves, except it's forest animals. Um, the band is literally the Aristocats band, except they're different forest animals. Mm-hmm. Um, the What's the other one? Prince uh, Jungle Book stuff is reused. Like the yeah. whole fucking whatever baloo and king King louie Louie. yeah Yeah. all of those moves no white and dopey did you say that already yeah Yeah, okay good open with that oh well good so so yeah but i mean that is kind of fun i guess and it's like at this point this is like 40 years into making disney movies so it really would be if you were if if anyone caught it i feel like it would be nostalgic just like that's just like snow white like this is from when i was a kid kind of thing lyrically we get another uh weird perverty thing Mm -hmm. where uh before prince john knows he's there oh rob will steal his steal his underwear like that is weird yeah why like <laughs> why does he want that he's like just panty raiding the prince <laughs> like or do you mean the underpants he's wearing like that would be more impressive thiefdom but like mm-hmm. why like to what end like that's a hell know. of a, a stealth objective <laughs> like, <laughs> go, go steal the underwear right off his butt like okay why what are you gonna do with royal underwear like, sell it 
I guess. Um, but yeah, it's such a catchy song that it even spreads to the villains because we cut to yeah, Sir, the sheriff Sir sings Hiss it. and the mm-hmm. sheriff singing it. And it's actually really funny because Sir Hiss starts singing and it's too late to be known as John the first. So sure to be known as John the worst, the sniveling, whatever. And then he sees Prince John is like, magnificent, wonderful. No, that ain't it. <laughs> and then he sings, mm-hmm. you know, all the negative adjectives that they used instead. And... Right. But then we get, you know, Prince John is even more pissed now. Rate, double the taxes, triple the taxes, lock them all in jail. And then we cut to the sad jail song, which is a Roger Miller and one. Before we get to that, and, and the the sad jail song is important because, uh, like I said earlier, we don't. it would be a mistake to just think of Roger Miller as the novelty song guy. Like, mm-hmm. he wrote some uh, legitimate songs and performed some legitimate songs, some sad ones, some that don't have any smile or chuckle-worthy yeah. lines to them. And this song... Accomplishes all of that. Exactly. And, and this, to and me... And explains what it's like to be poor anywhere, not yeah. just in Nottingham. Like... Mm. As someone who lives in a really poor town, like, I kind of relate to this. Right, and... Sometimes ups outnumber the downs, but not in Nottingham. Yeah, and sort of a, a response to the idea of, like, being able to pull yourself up from your bootstraps or whatever like but sometimes you can't yeah like sometimes you can only listen get... up republicans <laughs> sure uh roger miller so woke who knew <laughs> but also i was gonna say uh this is the drip 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 little april showers song of this movie for me like when i think of robin hood with all the fucking songs it has this is what comes to mind even if it's you know not a whole lot different it's not particularly upbeat <laughs> like you wouldn't think it'd be the first thing you think of for what's generally a happy movie but i think not in nottingham and and really the first uh ways that he got noticed uh was as a songwriter before becoming a singer himself and uh one of the songs that he wrote that got him noticed was called when two worlds collide uh it was very sad not the power man 5000 song uh, i guess not no <laughs> uh so that was so. Are you ready? Worlds collide. Yeah, I know what you're talking about now. Another sad one later covered by Brooks and Dunn, called "Husbands and Wives." It's my belief, pride. The it's my it's it's my belief, pride. It's my belief, pride is the chief claw. Chief fuck. While you get this out, I'm gonna go pee. It's my belief, pride is the chief cause in the decline in the number of husbands and wives. That's the line from the song. So this next Roger Miller song we're about to listen to is my favorite uh, Roger Miller song. It includes trombone, so get ready for that. Oh, boy. Uh, It's called Kansas City Star. Got a letter just this morning. It was postmarked Omaha. It was typed and neatly written, offering me this better job, better job. Come on TV, a grinning, wearing pistols and a hat. It's a kitty show, and I'm a hero of the younger set. I'm the number one attraction, never supermarket parking lot. I'm the king of Kansas City. No thanks, Omaha, thanks a lot. Kansas City Star, that's what I are. You're See my car, drive a big old Cadillac with wire wheels I got rhinestones on the spokes I've got credit down at my grocery store And my barber tells me jokes And I'm the number one 
That is really fun. But, you know, that is something I like. And I think a lot of country songs do it well, where it's like, it sounds kind of upbeat, but then, you know, realize, like, this is actually kind of depressing the more you think about well, that, it. And it's about, it's a novelty song and it's cheesy or whatever, but, mm-hmm. like, it's also about being unsure of trying a new thing because yeah. you're happy where you're Staying at. Staying in a and, comfortable hole. You know. These two people who live in Arkansas. Shocking. They relate to that. <laughs> Fair enough. Mm-hmm. So he's the biggest deal, but he's a big deal in a small town. And he's not right. sure if he wants to go on. He's, you know, big fish in a small pond. Kansas City, probably a bigger town than Omaha now. Uh, apparently not. I mm-hmm. uh, looked it up. Okay. Uh, Omaha's a bigger market. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Read the some article about Roger Miller the other day, and it was in there. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Anyway, so we get this nodding, not, not in Nottingham, and it's sad, and it explains uh, what these people's uh, lives are like, mm. and we see how miserable they are in the prison. Yep. We cut from there to uh, the church. Rainy church. Mm-hmm. Still sad. We were saving it for a rainy day. Oh, it's raining now. We meet these two little mice that hang out at the church. I think one of them's named Sexton. I'm pretty sure that's what Fire Talk says. Maybe. <laughs> that's literally all I wrote was Sexton? Question mark. And then mice sat at the church. Kanga is the other mouse. Yep, that's true. Mm-hmm. So they discuss the town's troubles. Yeah, uh, they give him the last, their last farthing they had been saving up. They get this little mice couple has one gold coin. They put it in the poor box. And at that moment, the sheriff shows up to collect taxes mm-hmm. from the church. He's going to take it for poor Prince John. <laughs> right, and takes it directly from the poor box. Mm-hmm. And then that's when Friar Tuck gets upset. Fat guy showdown. And he <laughs> starts belly bumping him out of that out of the church. But it leads to Friar Tuck getting arrested. Mm-hmm. He's beat by the damn numbers game. Which <laughs> which is the final straw for bringing Robin back out of the woods yep. and finally having to confront everyone up right. front. I like this next scene. It's very short, but we cut to Hiss trying to cheer John up, and John is like laser-focused on Robin Hood. And he's mm-hmm. just obsession is what we got here as a villain. And we don't spend a lot of time creating that image, but if like it has the potential to be a scary-ass Disney villain because like we see... It's like the only sinister moment of the film is we see the levels he's going to go to to get uh, Robin Hood. And, you know, I hear there's an alternate ending to this film that was originally much darker with Prince John mm-hmm. uh, sort of being a final obstacle. And we totally go away from that with what the actual conclusion is. Right. But, you know, his says, you know, oh, I, you know, I, we've got all this money from the taxes. Things are going well. Oh, and good news, Friar Tuck is in jail, and that's when John explodes. It's like, Friar Tuck, I want Robin Hood, and all that shit. Yeah, it, um, yeah I mean, there's two ways to look at it. You can look at it as, you know, even more intense because we've seen him being goofy before, but now they've finally sort of broken him. And yeah. this is, you know, he's become, like you said, obsessed and mm-hmm. you know determined to get Robin, and now is going to be a threat where he wasn't a threat before. But then he continues to not really be a threat. <laughs> well, right. Um, but I think part of the problem with that is you've already established that he's weak and flimsy and shouldn't right. be king or whatever. And if you actually make him a threat, then you could actually see him as an effective leader, too. And so, like, that's, I guess, where they were sort of caught up there. Yeah. And so that's why, the, the, probably ultimately, why they dropped the ending where now so, he's a serious yeah. threat. Right. Um, and it probably works better. But just a glimpse of, like, well, we could have had this alternate villain here. And it's like, I wonder what that film would have ended up looking like. Because they can do scary-ass Disney villains well when they want to. We've seen that. We don't see that in this one. So the plan is to use Tuck as bait to yeah. draw Robin out. We're going to hang him at dawn. Which, of course, hang works. Hang the priest. Yes. Uh, we get some literal gallows humor here, where they're <laughs> as they're setting up the gallows, the just right. goofy-ass buzzards. Yeah. Don't you want to test the trap door? Ah! <laughs> then he gets stuck in the hole. The so, buzzards are good. 
uh, comic relief for like what should be the only kind of scary moment. Right. So then uh, we play the Edgar Jazzy music again as they sneak up, and there's gonna be a jailbreak. <laughs> right. Like, getting real nervous. Mm-hmm. Well, and we get Robin, you know, shows up in his blind man disguise again, and we get to where he realizes, oh, it is a trap. You're setting this trap for me, but I don't care that it's a trap. I yeah. still have to save Friar Tuck. Uh, well, that's the next step. Spring the trap. Right. Yeah. What what is that from? I don't know. It's a thing where like, yeah, it's all a trap and then blah 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 and they do all this but you know what the next step is? Spring the trap. And it's like they're okay that like they that it's all trap. I don't know what it's coming from. I'll look. No, I was gonna say, audience, get back to us on this. Let us figure out what our frame of reference is. But you know, that's that's what setting up like the true dumb hero moment of like, okay, I know this is gonna go wrong, but we're gonna go through it anyway. Like, he's not sting-dumb, it's more heroic, but it's a little bit of sting-dumb in there. It's like, this is not going to work, man. Then we undercut that with one o'clock and all's well. Oh, it's from uh, it's from Star Wars. Yeah? From uh, the prequels, but yeah. Hmm. Obi-Wan. That was a good line, I guess. Yeah, one of the rare good lines <laughs> yeah. in the prequels, but yeah. Yeah, episodes two and three are like lost to time to me. I haven't seen those well, three since actually they came out. actually almost as good as the original trilogy. Yeah. Like, uh, it's, I mean, you still have to deal with, you know, Hayden mm. Christian's acting. Mm. And uh, I remember that fight at the end being like 40 minutes of the movie or some shit. A little much, yeah. And, yeah. and I didn't like Yoda fighting. I feel like you could have just told us he was a great... Hmm? It's just in two, right? No, it's oh. at the end of this. Yeah, he confronts uh, Palpatine at the end of this one and gets his ass handed to him. Well, that's good. But uh, I don't still, remember that. Yeah, it happens. Then Yoda hides. Yeah, Palpatine thinks he killed him, but he hides in, in an air vent. Sort of like uh, when Luke escapes in one uh, later, but except Vader knew exactly where he was going, and, and yeah. Palpatine thinks he's dead. But I remember watching three in the theaters. Mm-hmm. I watched uh, it by myself in the theaters. Yeah. That's how cool I am. Right. Uh, well, you watched it again with us, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so watching it there, being afraid I was going to pee my pants the whole movie. Oh, no. Not wanting to leave because I knew we had to be near the end. Mm-hmm. Then after uh, Darth Vader got cut in half and burned alive or whatever, it was like, okay, uh, I've seen everything. I'm going to go now. And then missing the big no joke that there was a meme everywhere You're after the man that. Now, so I didn't even see it. And then we got it on DVD and I watched it like once and never again. <laughs> So uh, one o'clock and all's well. Spring the trap, right? Yeah. And so mm-hmm. they get there to free Tuck. Yeah, we get jokes about gun safety here mm-hmm. <laughs> with a uh, trigger and his uh, his crossbow. Yeah, the he literally song, yeah. like points it at uh, the fucking sheriff from Nottingham's face, and is like, "Oh, I got the safety on old Betsy." Spring, boing, boing, boing. Jokes, haha. And then so we get sort of a. Uh, Nutsy doing doing his rounds, going around. We see Robin try to grab him and miss, and then he leaves and then comes. Like any good stealth game, uh, the enemies have repeating patterns, so you can mm-hmm. just stay in one spot. They'll be back around again, and then you can try. Uh, and so he grabs Nutsy and and you know sort of cosplays as him by putting a sock over his nose. <laughs> Did I ever tell you about the time that uh, the only time I ever interacted with a jumping spider? <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> I remember the jumping story. spiders uh, are a thing. Terrifying. Uh, if you're you know, not if fans you, of spiders. If you've never encountered one, they are pretty terrifying. Uh, and I'm sure there are people who are like, "Why are you afraid of spiders? Like they help you, they kill whatever." Shut up. 
Like, <laughs> they're, they're frightening. And so one time when I was uh, moving into uh, uh, duplex, like I was carrying my desk up these stairs and I noticed the spider there and it's jumping, but it literally like an NES boss <laughs> jumped in the same pattern yep. four times. And so I just waited for it to <laughs> jump back. Exactly. And I got it just at the right time mm. uh, and was able to climb the stairs from there. But it was terrifying for a minute. I'm someone who's generally not upset by dumb enemies in a game. It's like, no, just pretend I'm a baby for a second. Right, yeah. I need a little help I, figuring this adaptive out. Adaptive difficulty is my favorite video game feature, and I wish real life had it. Like, <laughs> I don't, like, I don't, I don't let's know. take it down a notch yeah. game. Should be. I wish that was a real thing. Mm-hmm. But like any video game, so we got a, our main objective here is the jailbreak, but then also... Uh, you know, as as little John gets into the jail, he's like, "Okay, I'll go save the prisoners, and you go get the treasury." <laughs> so, like, that's our secondary objective. But we're gonna get it while we're makes here. Makes sense with his motivation previously being, you know, to rob the rich and give to the poor. Right, so he, and the poor have lost all their money, and so of let's course, get it back while we're here. Little, uh, Prince John, like Scrooge McDuck, sleeps with his money, yep. and so now we gotta have. You know, I guess Scrooge keeps his in a vault, but I'm sure he sleeps with some too. Right, so we set up like a weird police system that, you know, Robin's grabbing the bags of money and just kind of placing them vaguely near the rope, (laughs) and that carries them down uh, to to Little John, uh, who's, you know, freed all the prisoners and is handing out the money. Maybe there's clothespins. Maybe you just didn't see the clothespins. Sure. I don't know. Must be some strong-ass clothespins, because those bags would be heavy. And he even takes the one that he's like, isn't he like snuggled up with one, and like he takes that too. and... And he wakes up Hiss in the process. Yeah. And that... Leads to a fight. Yeah. Not a escape. very long one. Yeah. Right. Uh, Some stuff gets set on fire. Yeah, a bunch of shit goes on here. There's a little cute scene where, like, the little rabbit boy who's still in this film, I guess, like, <laughs> gets ready to shoot at the enemies, and Robin runs up behind them and shoots them, too. And, you know, the boy thinks he did it. Like, oh, okay. And then, uh,. Little John sets off some barrels like Donkey Kong to sort of take out the rhino guards. Um,. There's a child rat, the little toddler rabbit gets left behind and Robin has to go back and save him and get himself locked up in the process. Now we're climbing the tower, torches, fire. We have a final showdown, I guess, is with uh, the sheriff of Nottingham, who's there in his his underwear because he got his clothes stolen earlier and they Mm. have a little sword fight with the flames everywhere. And this is a pretty pretty good finale, I'd say. Right, and we get uh, another Disney fake death. Mm -hmm. We've gotten a few of those thus far in the canon. Yeah, Baloo. Uh, Blue, uh, old, old, reliable. Well, yeah. not well, whatever his right. na- actual name Trusty. is. Trusty. Trusty, yes. Mm. Uh, so we've played around with that a little Snow bit. Snow White. <laughs> sure. And so he goes into the water, and they shoot some arrows into the water after right. him, and the hat is... floats up with an arrow through it. Yeah, something we haven't talked about, but the, the musical score for the background mm-hmm. of this is really intense, and I I guess having seen this movie a zillion times, it's still in my head, because I can immediately picture the... Right. Anyway, so he... Does the big dive into the moat. But he is just fine. We flashed... Well, yeah, our our fake out here is while he's in the moat, he's trying to swim, getting shot at, getting Mm. shot at. Then he goes down and we don't see him. And so then, you know, the music gets quiet. Seemingly, everyone should still be in danger. Like, we didn't go far. All of the prisoners... They just quit. Robin got shot. Right. All the prisoners are still in the woods watching this. Like, (sighs) fucking guards could be doing something, but they're not. Um... But then Robin sort of swims away, and we think, oh, come on, you can make it. And then we see the little reed, and it spits water in little John's face. Hey, he's fine. Right. Then we go to the next scene where King Richard is back yep. uh, talking it's, to Friar Tuck. It's literally just, and it's over. Yeah. We escaped. Uh, we do the ultra happy ending. Yep. 
King Richard got back and fixed everything. <laughs> and we literally cut to all the bad guys are jailbirds now, mm-hmm. smashing rocks. And triggers, still trigger, because mm-hmm. like there's another ricocheting mishap. Yeah, they let him keep his crossbow, yeah, I guess. Course. Well, he's chained up. What's he going to do? With his gun. <laughs> well, he's not effective with it. We've right. already learned that. So they get married. They go off on their honeymoon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Question. Mm-hmm. Where were Maid Marian and Lady Cluck during the previous half hour of film? Women can't go to the fight. I assume they were just... Were they not the... arrested? Were they in hiding somewhere? I assume they're still in the woods. Yeah. Lady Cluck could have been very Lady helpful was, in all that. You're right. Uh, yeah. I don't know. No. Anyway, Do we want to talk about Maid Marian as a female character? Like, Not much going on there. No. She's barely in the movie at all. And her only motivation is she loves Robin, even though she doesn't really know him. Right. Uh, knew him when he was younger, doesn't know him now. I Maybe guess she knows married. by reputation what yeah. he's doing. But Contrast that with Lady Gluck, who kicks ass. And it's <laughs> relatively three-dimensional. Yeah. Uh, Just yeah. good with the kids, you yeah. know? But doesn't it kind of hooks up with Little John? We they dance at one point. We don't they really go dance, into that. Yes, um, that counts as hooking up. Okay, all right, whatever. They're a good couple. They should be together. Sure, you're you're shipping the two of them. Whatever. Right. Women can't participate in the jailbreak. So even though this uh, looks like it's going to be one of the shorter episodes we've recorded, it's actually the longest Disney movie to this point. Up That's in, true. Uh, outside of Fantasia. Outside of Fantasia. Yeah. I don't know. It really flies by. Yeah, I think so too. But. Maybe it's just because literally fade out on a scene, fade up on a scene. Like, could be. Do this, do this. I don't know. You know, again, I'm real nostalgic for this movie, but I will say kind of underwhelming. You can feel the cheapness of it, and uh, there's not just a whole lot to it. And I think part of that's going through a story, you know, many people are familiar with. It's like if, you know, you suddenly see a different version of like a Christmas carol than what you're used to, or like a, you know, it's a more kid like version. Like, there's the Disney christmas carol which i've seen before and it's like you watch it and it's like it's good but at the same time it's like it's just a shorter version of the version of a christmas carol i like so i think you run into that with any like classic tale that's being redone mm-hmm. especially if it's done for a younger audience um so unless you're doing it in a dr- drastically different way right maybe yeah and if you're towing the line between serious and parody and not really going in either direction i don't know you end up with characters that are kind of flat and one-dimensional and so you end up somewhere in the middle and actually, the score for this movie is somewhere in the middle because of it. So <laughs> so if we go through our rubrics here, you know, one of the things we do on the Dudes Watch Disney podcast mm. is try to rank these movies uh, mostly based off their Disney-ness. Right. But we have various categories that we rank them in. I'll mm. start in with a rubric. Yeah. We've got matters. We've got music, meanie, message, mise-en-scene, and magic. Uh, being the most important one, of course. Obviously. That's the one we and use the as, as a tiebreaker when two movies are tied. And spoilers, this one's going to be tied for me. <laughs> Good thing you explained that then. So why don't we start with the matters? Uh, yeah, like I, I kind of just did that paragraph <laughs> with my final thoughts a second ago. But yeah, just kind of underwhelming, kind of flat. Uh, if you've never seen Robin Hood, I mean, you get the story based, you know, so everything's there. But, you know, kind of in the middle and kind of lame on the female character front, which is the thing we're trying to watch through the years and really all we've seen is uh lady was the only time we really tried to do anything serious with a female character so you know we'll see if that changes anytime sooner i think rescuers is coming up so maybe we get a little bit from miss bianca but uh we'll get to that and, and like i said plot middle of the road i gave it a three for the matters i gave it a four uh, I was sort of into it like the uh, the, the efficientness of giving the uh, the 
exposition uh, embedding that in the dialogue shoehorning it in the dialogue however yeah. you want to wherever you fall on that there right, might be right. a difference in our scores mm-hmm. but we've got you know we've got uh, an action adventure story we've got some romance going on we've got uh, small characters getting their own little story arcs like we talked before in cinderella of like uh the dog winning the intercontinental title <laughs> right uh, where you get you know the little kid gets to help yeah. out and he thinks he shot that is a three second well sure clip. but at least you know but yeah we got something there his moment too mm-hmm. everybody gets a chance to shine and get their shit in right uh, so i gave it a four all right uh music next uh it's all right i like roger miller and i like the whole folk singer vibe i don't feel like we get a ton of roger miller in this like he gets a couple good songs and then he's kind of gone for good True. portions he's i'd like to see more out. of that yeah, yeah. And uh, we get that dog shit love song in the middle, so that mm-hmm. knocks it down a bit. I, I'm thinking three and a half. I also gave it a four, mm-hmm. uh, mostly for the Roger Miller, like we talked about, although the uh, the Prince the John down. song is really yeah, good. It's real good. And like you mentioned, the, the music in the, the fight scene at the end of the That's movie true. is pretty intense and adds to sort of the, the drama of yeah. the... I don't know how I feel about all the fight song kind of stuff. Like That's weirdly anachronistic <laughs> for what we're trying to do here. But I don't know. That feels like something... like most non-Disney or Pixar kids movies these days would do. Like, doesn't matter where we're set. Uh, now we're going to have, like, this real, like, a Shrek kind of thing of just, like, you know, here's cheerleaders for this scene or something, even though they don't fit. But I don't know. That's just me. So that's music. Next uh, thing. Meanie. Uh, Prince John's kind of got a Cruella DeVille problem here where we're just, like, not sure how serious we want to be. That is true. And he gets a lot of screen time, and I don't, I think too much at times because he doesn't do a whole lot with it. Um, but I do love the sheriff of Nottingham and he's really into being a heel. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. That is true. Yeah, so he bumps the score up a little bit. If it was just Prince John, I wouldn't have much uh, much for it. I kind of wish the sheriff was more of the focus, but uh, I gave it three points for Meanie. I gave it three and a half. And we have scored movies higher, I think, when there's a rogues gallery yeah. uh, of villains, especially Jungle Book, which got a five mm-hmm. uh, for me. I think it did for you, too. Yep. Uh, you have Shere Khan's presence throughout that one, but then you also have King Louie and Ka, who are threats along the way. Right. We have other villains. We have a variety of villains here. You know, the biggest threat really is the sheriff, uh, even though the way the story is told, Prince John is the main sort of guy that we're trying to overthrow but the sheriff is the more dangerous uh of the two you've got hiss uh, as an obstacle as well as he is he's dangerous because he can see through a lot of robin's bullshit right where prince john's never able to do that himself so i gave it a three and a half uh you don't have the the presence of like a Sher khan to go along with that rogues gallery right and we're missing that and like you said tonally there's some issues of like is this is this guy a threat or is he just goof like what are we doing here yeah so three and a half uh mise-en-scene honestly pretty cheap uh, yeah i like the castle setting and that's always fun and i feel like it feels more castly than like uh sleeping beauty or stuff like that did true so i maybe i just enjoy that enough to sort of give it a few points <laughs> but uh lots of reused animation and whether it feels nostalgic or it feels cheap depends on who you are uh, but I, I'm thinking three for me is on seven. Yeah, I went lower than you on this one. I went two and a half, and it is yeah. really cheap at times. I didn't notice the sketchiness of it like I did with Aristocats at times, but but the the reusing of of things uh, it gets pretty obvious at, at points, mm-hmm. and that's unfortunate. Right. Uh, message. Uh, I mean, it's just kind of the 
it's hard to score this because like the messages are good, but they're the messages of Robin Hood. Like Disney doesn't really do anything more than that. Uh, it's literally just like, don't be greedy, you know, help out the poor. So right. there's kind of like an ends justify the means thing because we have nefarious methods, but we're ultimately doing good. Um, I like that we do kind of spoon feed that for like the younger audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we get to see like the evil theft versus like the ultimately good theft. Cause we get to see Sheriff Nottingham, you know, stealing from women and babies and, you know, holy men and all that. Um, so yeah. And also the just kind of general message of eat the rich is fun. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I'm going three. I went with three and a half for the message. Hmm. Uh, you're right. You can't really give Disney credit for the right. things that are already in the story. And they try to add this uh, Lady Cluck, uh, love conquers all, that she, you know, yells out at one point. But Does it? <laughs> and, like, we didn't see any romance or, no. like, anyone really actively trying to keep these two apart. Like, no. Prince John wants Robin Hood because he's been yeah. stealing from him. He doesn't really care if he hooks up with Marion, best I can tell. Right. Like, There's no, like, you can't marry him. Well, he uses Marion as bait, yes. Yeah. But I don't... I don't feel like they they said they it, but they didn't anything really with Maid Marian, <laughs> right? And if we had set it up, you could do that and add it on, no yeah. big deal. Like where I want to be with him, but my family won't let me because he's you know poor and I'm mm-hmm. a noble or whatever. Like like every other Disney movie, but we didn't do that at no. any point, and we don't know anything about Mary. And also that counts against a message too for me of just like this is what a woman's place is yeah. like it, it fucking it really doesn't hold up well so we do have uh lady cluck to balance that out a little bit true still uh three and a half for me yeah magic uh yeah i think all of these kind of mediocre scores led me to giving it a lower magic score because like i went two and a half like it's a perfectly fine film but it doesn't feel too disney like you can really tell they're struggling here and like where previous films in in the struggling era had more going for it, uh, like you know, Aristocats was kind of retread ground, but it had a lot of comedy to hold it up. There's not nearly as much comedy here as in Aristocats. No, um, there are some funny parts. But... Yeah, and and like the folksy stuff kind of helps, but I don't know. It just in general feels like yeah, we made this because we kind of had to, and this is the best we could do with the time and money we had. So two and a half. Yeah, I went with three and a half on the magic. I realized that most of that is is just nostalgia filled for me. Mm. But, you know, the music score is really high for me. And I think it's fun to do the story with animals. I think it's, you know, seeing the sort of action-y parts of it are are cool. Seeing them, the action-y parts is cool. But... uh, (laughs) Still, it was the the production value and some of the cheesiness here and there lowered it a little bit, but still three and a half for me. And uh, we totaled those up, and uh, you know they were all pretty middle of the road scores for me, and it ends up with a middle of the road eighteen out of thirty. That's uh, eighteen. Uh, <laughs> Oodalallies. I don't know. I didn't think of a thing here. I apologize, audience. Uh, you go next. Maybe similar I'll score. I ended up with uh, 21 out of 30. When you add up mine, uh, that's 21 golden arrows out of 30. Yeah, I don't feel like you brought it either. Well, no, but at least that's a thing from the movie. That's true. And so being the... 18 field mice scooped up and popped on the head. We didn't talk about this at the beginning of the episode, but this is our 15th uh episode and we've done some bonus ones here and there but this is our 15th uh episode based off the official canon Mm -hmm. and so i think as a result rankings the whole way and uh we should probably run 
We should probably run through the whole list. He cut me off there because I was about to take credit for his ideas. <laughs> so I think we should do our full 15 rankings when it was totally something he was he told me we should do in this episode. Exactly. So uh, oh, I think shit. when we formatting is fucked up. We have uh, when we did this before, we sort of went back and forth. I don't is that confusing? My 15, your 15, or is it better to just do my whole top 15? I think back and forth is better because at some point, if you're listing 15 things, I think you tune out. Yeah, maybe so. So back and forth is the way to go, but then maybe we'll do our top five like we do at the end of every episode like individually okay yeah let's do that all right so, so your uh, number 15 film my number 15 film with 10 points 10 out of 30 is sword in the stone uh my number 15 is dumbo with six points out of 30 yeah my dumbo is my number 14 film with uh 11 and a half points out of 30 sword in the stone is my number 13 with seven points so we're you know we agree there <laughs> Uh, we will stop agreeing soon. After that was fourteen. Number thirteen is Sleeping Beauty with seventeen out of thirty. My number thirteen is Peter Pan with sixteen oh, out of thirty. Motherfucker. <laughs> uh, so that uh, that was thirteen. Number twelve for me is Fantasia. Are yours with, not numbered? You seem to be having to well, catch up on numbered, the number. But it does. The category is number one. Is the problem? Oh, so everything is shifted down okay. one. So anyway, my number 12 is Fantasia, which has 18 out of 30. My number 12 is Bambi, which has 17 out of 30. My number 11, Alice in Wonderland, 18 and a half out of 30. My number 11, Sleeping Beauty, with 17. Number 10, in my top 10 now, Aristocats, with 19 out of 30. Number 10, Fantasia, with 17. Oh, no, no, that's wrong. Okay. Uh, Take that back. Take that back. I had two with 19, and uh, Aristocats has a higher magic score. I'm sorry. My number 10 is 101 Dalmatians. Yeah. We have tiebreakers here, but to cut out some of the wordiness, just know this is the order. (laughs) Do I need to give... Uh, yeah, yeah, do your 10 again. All right, my number 10 is Fantasia with 17. All right, so my number 9, then, is Aristocats. Okay, my number 9 is Robin Hood with 18. Then my number 8 is Pinocchio with 20 and a half. My number 8 is Alice in Wonderland with 18. There's several 18s in a row here. Okay, then number 7 for me is Robin Hood, 21. Number 7 is Pinocchio with 18. Number six, Lady and the Tramp, also with 21, but has a higher magic score. Number six, 101 Dalmatians with 19. Then number five, top five here. Top five for Dustin. Yeah, my fave five starts with Bambi with 22. I thought we were going to Out of 30. I thought we were going to do all of oh, your five. I, oh, okay. Five. Is that I, what you said? I meant like we would go back and forth and then at the end say, here's my five, here's your five, just to okay, for clarity. Sure. You know? My number five is Lady and the Tramp with 19 and a half. Then uh, my number four is Snow White with 23. My number four is Aristocats with 20. I lied again. I read the thing wrong. Let me say that again. My number four is Peter Pan with 23. My number four is Aristocats with 20. My number three is Snow White with 23, but a higher magic score than Peter Pan. My number three is Snow White with 20 and the magic break thing. My <laughs> number two is jungle book with 24 and a half my number two is cinderella with 23 and a half and then my number one is cinderella with 25 out of 30 my number one jungle book with 27 and a half out of 30 and so if we redo our top five there just for clarity uh we do our top five at the end of every episode just to make sure everybody's on the, the same page and so my top five if we go through them again is <laughs> is bambi uh Bambi first, or fifth, actually. Number five, (laughs) Bambi. (laughs) My top five. Number five is Bambi. Number four is Peter Pan, then Snow White, then Jungle Book, then Cinderella. 
And my number five, Lady and the Tramp. Number four, Aristocats. Number three, Snow White. Number two, Cinderella. And number one, Jungle Book. And for comparison's sake, we've also been uh, tracking the... We have gotten away from doing this along the way. We've also been tracking the Rotten Tomatoes scores for each uh, movie. And so if we do their top five... Uh, and this is going to be problematic for us, but if we do their top five, number five is is Dumbo. Really? Yes, with Fucking a ninety what? with a ninety seven, <laughs> tied with Cinderella. Uh, so deal with that. Dumbo and Cinderella at the same level. Then one hundred one Dalmatians tied with Snow White, so they don't have a tiebreaker for theirs. Uh, and then Pinocchio is their number one. So Pinocchio is uh, number one for them. Snow White and 101 Dalmatians both have 98s. And then two 97s from Cinderella and Dumbo. The worst-reviewed Rotten Tomatoes movie is Robin Hood, which was middle middle of the pack for both of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Robin Hood is uh, was a 52 on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, that's rough, but I kind of get it. I can get why this wouldn't appeal to a lot of people. I get it unless you're going to give Dumbo a 97. I don't get that at all. What? What are we talking about? I have no idea. Well, why does Pinocchio get 100? So, who knows? Mm. How did no one have anything bad to say about Pinocchio? Like, you got me. We had plenty. If you go back and check that episode out, we had plenty bad to say about it, and we were probably harder on it than we needed to be, but we didn't have perspective at the time. And worse audio quality. Well, fair <laughs> it's enough. It's the first thing you'll notice. This might be improved audio quality. I hope so. We're trying a new experiment this time. It's true. We got a two mic set up now, and uh, hopefully it all works, and this whole thing isn't fucked. Or this sounds like ass. Who knows? Yep. Ass fucked. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. <laughs> so that's the end of Robin Hood. What's up next? Do you know? The Mini Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Oh, yes. I love Winnie the Pooh. Me too. All right. And topical because there's recently a trailer for the new Christopher Robin film. Right, which will have out. already... The new probably Christopher stre- Robin film is out. <laughs> probably streaming already. Go see it, everyone. <laughs> Check it out on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, anyway yeah. it will have come and gone but maybe we'll get back on the uh, stick who knows who knows what we'll do get on the stick yeah anyway so we've made it through 15 of these uh, so pat ourselves on the back on that one don't mean to toot our own horns but <laughs> toot, toot toot every time we have any milestone yeah, we will be tooting we're tooting everywhere mm-hmm. <laughs> we're rooting tooting so on that note which toot. i think is my go-to phrase anytime yeah, we so end an episode we don't know how to end these things nope do we have a talking snack? Well, then we were going to sign off, and then do we not? I don't know. Normally, I someone asks, do we have a talking snack? What? And then I put the theme song. <laughs> right. Oh, you're right. Okay. Talking snack. Yeah, yeah. Talking snack. Yum, yum. Talking snack. Uh-huh. Let's talk about some snacks. Hey! Do we have one? Do we have I don't know. I'm probably about to eat Chick-fil-A to... again. So. Going back to Chick-fil-A? Is that what's I might. Happening? Kelsey requested some nuggets. Oh, okay. Nacho fries are gone for the time being. We could talk about nacho fries. <laughs> they yeah, might be okay. back next time. I, uh, nacho fries, I was a little skeptical of like how Taco Bell's going to do fries. Yeah. And so I went straight to, don't just give me the fries. Give me the fries with some shit on them. You made the right call. Because if they're soggy, you know, it can be covered up by the fact that there's meat and cheese on top of them. Then I don't right. care that I've got soggy fries. When you go cheese fries, you're a melted cheese guy. As opposed to a liquid cheese. Usually, I don't usually care for liquid cheese. No. Like if I know that it's like good queso and it's got some other stuff in there, and it's not like you're not into ballpark nachos. No, 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 no. ballpark okay. nachos. I mean barbecue nachos, sure, but like just 
cheese goo from a ballpark, I think is kind of gross. Yeah, yeah, I don't think you're alone on that. But right. I, so, I uh, like it, but I don't want it on a fry because they get mushy. Right, so if we're going to go with cheese fries and with nachos in general, I prefer shredded cheese melted on there. Now, uh, what I really like as far as nachos go uh, is you've got your shredded cheese melted and then maybe some queso on there too. <laughs> sure, uh, why the fuck not? Which they do at various, uh, like uh, on the border I know does that, where you've got the shredded cheese and then they pour some of their cheese dip on top too, and that's fantastic. Mm. Anyway, so... So I got the uh, the nacho fries with the Bel Grande. No, I guess so. Or Supreme, uh, which is just a smaller. I think it was a smaller yeah. one, uh, because I got plenty of other food the last time I went. So, and and it was good, uh, better than what I expected to be. And the fries were really good. Now, normally when I go through the drive-through, I don't eat inside, and I don't eat until I get it home. And right. Uh, so that means while it is still warm when I get it home, it is not perhaps in its you know. Best. best condition right so but we did dine in this time at the taco bell and so uh the fries were crispy and they were hot and they probably would have been fine as standalone like seasoned fries yes yeah. their own thing the seasoning is good and different from any seasoned fries i've had it like it is it feels like dorito dust or something no i didn't get that i thought it was <clears throat> just seasoned fries but mm, i don't know maybe it's just having all that other stuff on it it feels that way don't know but anyway it was good i think that i should have uh added a little bit of the uh Either a you know a mild sauce or a hot or whatever on top of it too would have been would have put it over the edge. Yeah. Do you like the was it Diablo sauce that has that kind of smoky chipotle? I don't think flavor? I've ever tried anything other than the mild. I don't gotcha. know what else is out there. <laughs> well, they have a smoky chipotle flavor mm-hmm. one if you ever want to try that. It's a little different. I got it and Kelsey was like, "What is this?" and then loved it. So, hmm. but yeah, I wouldn't just dip a fry in cheese dip. I, like I wouldn't be appealed. Uh, that doesn't appeal to me so much. Yeah, which is why you know when they had the dollar variety, wasn't gonna just get that. Mm-hmm. But then it was like, I oh, can get a Bel Grande. Fuck or yeah! Because that cheese dip is just sort of yeah. cheese goo. It's but when not... you get beans and meat and sour cream sure, and shit on it too, it's just it a, a delicious bit. mess, and I love it. But they're gone now. So, but they're probably back by the time you're listening to it. Uh, tomorrow, though, I am going to the minor league ballpark. Fuck yeah! And I plan on having a little eating tour while I'm there. Uh, this is a fat thing that I've decided to do uh, this summer, which may be when this comes out. Who knows? Uh, but we, uh, a few years ago, we got uh, like a quarter season ticket uh, to a minor league baseball team that's uh, about three hours away from us. And so that meant we would go repeatedly uh, on little mini road trips to go uh, and hang out there. And we had certain favorite restaurants that we developed in all of our stays. And we sort of miss those places now. We went from going, you know, multiple times during the same summer to not eating at those places anymore. And so we have planned a summer vacation, a little mini vacation this summer to just go and eat at those restaurants. And so we're just spending maybe one, two nights, uh, but we're just hitting those places. We're not really there to do anything else. Uh, we're just we're just going to eat. Just going for the food. Yeah, pretty much. Well, I and think we, all the best vacations are really based around food. And so here's, uh, there's a Mexican restaurant in town that's really good, so we want to go there. Uh, we're going to go to the ballpark and get the ballpark food as well. Uh, there is a Missouri pizza chain that uh, we're into called the Emos. Uh, just not with an Emos. I. Yeah, not short. the Emos. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but it, it's really a good shout out to uh, Emos. Uh, if you want to sponsor us, we'd love that. Sure. Uh, now that we're out here spreading the word about how good your pizza is. But anyway, there's yeah. an Emos. They sponsor the St. Louis Cardinals and a small time <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Sure. Anyway, they uh, are started, I believe, in the St. Louis area and have spread throughout the rest of the state. I don't know. But they're in Springfield as well, which is just where we're going. 
I do remember going to St. Louis as a kid and being at a uh, baseball game that lasted till like oh yeah, we went to like a 12, 14 inning game or whatever. Yeah. But then we got back to the hotel and found out Emos delivered all night long. Right, or which some this shit. one this one does not. But we are still planning on getting that as well. That uh, while we're there. Uh, there is, and there's only I think three of these restaurants around. A place called Lambert's. Uh, it's it's got basically like Lambert's could be its own talking snack. <laughs> good. It's a, it's a comfort foods like mm. a soul food sort of deal. Big something. ass portions. Yes, and they throw rolls at you as sort of the uh, the mystique of the place. Mm. Uh, they have these things called pass arounds where like you order your meal and you get sides along with that. But then also, but then everyone there's like these community sides. They just walk through with like a big tub of like mm-hmm. uh fried okra hi or you want some fried potatoes fried potatoes it, there's a variety there's of some gross like macaroni, macaroni and tomato yeah. thing i don't know anyway what so about. they just scoop that out and, and give you some of that too while they're throwing rolls at you and, and other uh so you just eat and eat and eat basically mm-hmm. is the is what we're doing at that place. also one in gulf shores alabama which pe- I, people I, go there i think so. there are three i think there's yeah. two in missouri and one in in uh, in alabama yeah uh, might not be in gulf shores might be in surrounding area but Somewhere Whatever. near On the there, way is the yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's the greatest restaurant. <laughs> and then there is a uh, local uh, breakfast place that is really good uh, that we'll be going to as well. So, heck of a vacation. I'm gonna go to Chicago this summer. So, uh, so you'll be eating as well. Yes, and you know, hey, audience, give me if there's any Chicago locals, tell me some places. You know, I got friends up there. They're gonna probably pick everywhere we eat. But you know, if there's anything cool hidden places I should know about, let me know. Also, I'm gonna go to Gulf Shores and probably eat seafood, which I don't like. So. Yeah, I don't care for that either. Talking snack. Here's some snacks we don't like. <laughs> Let's save that. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I think I've showed you this before. But here's the uh, some of the pictures from the breakfast place. Like, That's a big ass pancake. Yeah, it's a few of them actually. But uh, and then that comes with it. Ooh. Yeah. So that's awesome. Big ass sausage and eggs. Not great for you at home. No. <laughs> Probably won't make it into the <laughs> final deal. Well, that's why I was given descriptors. So anyway, uh, that's a sort of a. Smaller talking snack. Mm-hmm. Uh, snacking is more important to me now since I've been doing the the dieting or whatever. So right. each time I get a chance to eat, I like to take my time and enjoy it, which is, that's good advice for life. Yep. Take your time. Enjoy your snacks. It's true. You can be happy if you have a mind to. <laughs> On that note, there's that phrase again. We'll see y'all later. Thanks for listening to Dudes Watch Disney and Talking Snack. I'm Jake. I'm Dustin. And we are dudes. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Dudes Watch Disney podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Jake here reminding you all to like, rate, review, but most of all, subscribe. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube, so no matter which podcast venue you like to use, we're there and we're not hard to find. We also invite you to follow us on Twitter at DisneyDudesPC. The PC stands for podcast. We also want to hear from you guys. If you have any fun childhood memories or fun stories about these films, please shoot us an email and share them with us. We'll read them out on the show. Our email address is DudesWatchDisney at gmail.com, so please send us your thoughts and join in on the discussion. For reference, the next two films we're going to be talking about are The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh and The Rescuers. So if you can email us your thoughts before we sit down to record again, we'll be happy to share them with the world. Or, the small portion of the world that subscribes to this podcast. Anyway, thanks again for listening. Uh, bye!